0: Support for Recovery Talks, the podcast, and recovery.com, provided by Ohio Means Jobs Summit in Medina Counties, recognizing that looking for a job can be tough, especially if you're also navigating a path to recovery. Ohio Means Jobs Summit in Medina Counties offer career coaching, support services, and training for in-demand careers. For more information, summitmedinaomj.org. Peer support is the act of people who have had similar experiences with mental illnesses and or substance abuse diagnosis. Giving each other encouragement, hope, assistance, guidance, and understanding is what it's all about. Our next guest, Danica Adams, is a peer recovery coach and mentor with Ohio Guidestone. Today, she helps families who struggle with substance use disorder, but she was on a very different path six and a half years ago. Her story and more up
1: next on Recovery Talks, the podcast. Direct from Akron, Ohio, the epicenter of modern recovery. This is Recovery Talks, the podcast. From those in recovery to those working in recovery, meet those who are shining the light on Recovery Talks right now.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee Shannon, and today we have a very special guest. Her name is Danica Adams. Danica is a peer recovery coach and a mentor with Ohio Guidestone, and her gig is she helps families who struggle with substance use disorder. And uh, she's got a pretty cool story, but you know what? Six and a half years ago, it wasn't really quite the same story, was it? And, you know, before we get started, let's just say hello to Danica. Hi, Danica. How are you doing?
2: Good. Hi, Mark. How are you?
0: I'm so good to see you again. You know, I should tell our listeners that um, we became acquainted when I took the o- Ohio Peer Recovery Supporter training and Danica was my uh, training facilitator. Is that right? Do I call it training facilitator? Is that how I say? Or, yes. or what was your title? The trainer, trainer. Yeah, is that what it was?
2: Yeah, facilitator.
0: You know, I got a chance to research Danica's story a little bit before this podcast and I spoke to her and I said that I had no idea she had been through what the things she had been through. Because when we when we did this the training, it was it was so professional and it was all here's the training and here's what you need to do. But I had no idea about your story. So why don't we start at the beginning of the beginning. Danica, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and you know how you got to this place where we're having a podcast about recovery, but it wasn't always that story, especially six and a half years ago. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
2: I will start from the very beginning. Um, I was a survivor of childhood trauma, extensive childhood trauma. My sister was sick. Um, She got sick when she was 11 with brain cancer. Um, She died when I was 14. I grew up in downtown Zanesville right off 7th Street, I um, didn't really have that much supervision. Um, and So I was able to kind of do a lot of things, seen a lot of things. I was exposed early to a lot of uh, different things. I moved a lot. I went to a lot of different schools um, due to my sister being ill. I just wanted an escape. And so I got pregnant with my son when I was 14 years old. And um, I became a teen mom. Me and my son's father were very happy together at that point, point. Um, and you know we thought we had it all figured out. It wasn't long after that that we really got addicted. Um, we had already been smoking cigarettes and smoking weed and, and drinking at least on the weekends, um, and that became a more regular habit. And then eventually, we we got into to harder substances. Um, so when I was seventeen, I um, I got arrested for a couple of different charges, assault um, with a weapon, fleeing the scene, a couple of different things. Um, And that's when I went to jail um, and was facing felony charges. For the first time at 17 years old, I got involved with children's services, um, introduced to probation, um, was told to to go get a drug and alcohol assessment. I was told to go to AA and I literally thought they wanted me to get insurance. Um, And so I thought that was easy. And it was not... Um, so I got introduced to a 12-step program at 17 years old. For the next two years, really tried to use and get away with it. I um, was very manipulative. I tried to normalize my my erratic behaviors to people. Um, I would dilute drug screens or detox myself or just simply hide. And that was a, a sick process for years. I did. I did get custody of my son back, and uh, two months later, I lost custody of him again. My parents did get custody of my son. It. I just spiraled from there. My my addiction took me to a lot of really dark places. Um, I was a, a survivor of um, domestic violence. Um, I had multiple incarcerations, multiple overdoses, multiple treatment centers. I was uh, experienced homelessness. I'm a survivor of human trafficking and and prostitution. None of that got me sober. There were years of uh, trauma that I created for my family, and and none of that got me sober. I'll be honest with you. What what got me sober is I was in a treatment center, and I was like twelve days from graduation, time to get ready to go home. I was starting to get better. That that last time when I was getting sober, then I was uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually dead. Physically, it was really bad. I could not look you in the eye. I could not make a sentence. I I could not. Function as a human being, um, and so I started getting better. I had about four months sober, and um, I started getting better. And I was getting ready to graduate and go home, and and I relapsed. I went to jail sober, and I had never done that before. Um, I never went to jail sober. I never thought I was going to go to prison. I uh, and I did this time, and I thought that I would never see my parents or my son ever again. And I had that moment of radical. Acceptance, raw humility of myself in that moment of what life was going to be like for me, and I knew I was done. I knew that there was nothing I could do. And I'll be honest with you, Mark. Um, you know, if they would have let me j- out of jail the next day, I would have relapsed again. Um, but they didn't, and my probation officer seen something in me, and I got to go to treatment again, and I went to a women's uh, residential treatment and I was there for almost nine months. Um, and that's why I started my recovery journey. I've been sober ever since.
0: You know, nine months in treatment. I mean I think that's that's the number I hear a lot of people talk about us is, is you know it's it's not a few months. It's enough time to really get your brain to start working again. And also, as you know, get over that realization when you finally get sober of what did I do? What did I do? You do that whole accounting. And it takes, you know, for me, I don't know, unless I was really, I had a lot of support. But when I finally came to grips with everything I had to see sober, I didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. So at this point... You're sober, and you get out. And what were the first few miles like?
2: I've been home now for almost six years, um, and that's great. Um, I got home in July of 2016, and let me tell you, let me tell you about those first couple months. Um, I was desperate to do anything to stay sober. I was desperate. I remember prior um, going in and out of the rooms of a 12-step program. Prior to me getting sober, I was Anxious, humiliated, embarrassed, didn't want to be there, um, you know, all these feelings. And this time I was fearless. Like I went to a meeting and I talked to people and I asked for numbers and I asked when they were going to another meeting and asked if they would pick me up and asked what they were doing after the meeting and if I could go with them. You know, um, I hung out with women who had long term sobriety and nothing less because I needed to stay sober. I went to church and um, I got active in, in uh, my my church fellowship. Uh, again, doing anything that I could. And there's a little story about it. So I went to um, do a blitz build with Habitat for Humanity with my church, and I was like, "Well, how, who's going to build the rest of this house?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we ha- we take volunteers." And I'm like, "Okay, great. I'll I'll show up." And I went and built this house with Habitat for Humanity. And the main team lead, who was almost the only guy at there ever with me, was also in recovery. And so as I was doing this build with him, um, it was like a meeting every single day, being with somebody in recovery who could support me. But that was God showing up in my life in ways that uh, you know I never would have imagined.
0: Doing for us what we, we could not do for ourselves, right? That's it.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had to interview about 15 different times uh, 15 different places before I got a job due to my record um, but i I was able to get a job finally. Um, I had nothing when I went into rehab i didn't I didn't even have clothes on my back. Um, my mom brought me clothes out of her closet. I didn't have id social security card, anything um and so I had to start from nothing. I did get to go and live with my parents and my son after rehab um, and that's where I resided. Um, and until I was able to get on, out on my own, um, you know, and, and I did what they told me to, to stick with the winners uh, and not to hang out with people in early recovery because two stickies don't make a welly, um, <laughs> you know. And uh, so
0: I really yeah, had forgotten that, that one. I had forgotten that one. That's a good one. I haven't heard that for a yeah. long time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they said we would get each other high before we got each other sober. And so, again, desperate to do anything, um, I, I did what they told me. You know, got a job, started saving money, was able to get a car, and and did everything I needed to to stay sober and get well.
0: Mm. We're talking with Danica Adams, who is a peer recovery coach and mentor with Ohio Guidestone. So, the curious question I had for you, which I, I I don't really know if we really covered or you really spoke about during the time, the two weeks we had together during the training session, was, you know, at what point after you had some sobriety did you make the decision that you wanted to to do a the peer recovery coach? Well, maybe you can tell people a little bit about what a peer recovery coach is in the the state of Ohio.
2: It's so funny that you asked. I did not know that this is what I wanted to do. Matter of fact, the other women that I was in residential treatment with were like, oh, I'm going to go be a counselor and this and all that. And I thought, oh, absolutely not me. Um, (laughs) And so basically, um, there was a woman in, in the rooms who approached me one day, and, and mentioned that there were peer support classes, and I was kind of in a in a tiffy at this point. Um, I had uh, thousands of dollars of student debt. Um, I was working barely getting minimum wage, you know. Um, and she mentioned that there was this peer support training, um, and it was free. And I thought, well, why not? Um, let's let's see what this is about. And, and that's how I got involved with peer support. It was an opportunity that was presented that was reasonable, um, and it became my true purpose.
0: Just for our listeners, I want to go back to the training manual of my participant guide for the Ohio Peer Recovery Supporter Training Manual. And I just read, want to read real quickly just a definition of what peer recovery support is. And it says here, the peer support is the act of people who have had similar experiences with mental illnesses and or substance use diagnosis, giving each other encouragement, hope, assistance, guidance, and understanding that aids in recovery. Peer support work can be done anytime anywhere when two or more peers are in a mutually supportive relationship. Also, it says a peer recovery supporter is a person with a lived experience of a serious life challenge who helps others on their recovery journey. A peer recovery supporter is a person who has experienced a substance use disorder and or a psychiatric condition that and has progressed on his or her path to recovery and has acquired the knowledge and skills to help others with their day-to-day experiences and their own recovery journeys. And I go right over to the very first day, the very first thing, the very first note I made in my journal. It was, what is peer recovery support? And the number one goal was to instill hope, right? Because I don't know about you, but for me, I was a pretty hopeless case. I I sense that you also went through the experience of trying everything and just feeling that, you just were never going to get it that you know you were just the person that wasn't good enough wasn't smart enough wasn't of the right character to be able to get sober like other people around us that we saw i kept asking why why can't i do this was that something you experienced also
2: briefly yeah um you know i remember being in jail and calling my mom and and swearing to her that I was going to stay sober. All, all I needed was to get a job and be a good mom that I never wanted to use again. And I meant it. And I meant it with every inch of me. But the disease of addiction was so real that it wouldn't be long before, once I got released that I would be back to the races out there using again. And I didn't understand why.
0: We're going to take a short break now. We're talking with Danica Adams, who is a peer recovery coach and mentor with Ohio Guidestones. We'll be right back after this.
1: Our lives are not lived sequentially. After all, we're not a DVR. We have lives that take us in multiple directions, and sometimes absorbing our favorite podcasts are done sporadically and out of sync. We might have large amounts of time to listen and get caught up on episodes, and other times life in general just, you know, gets in the way. But here's the thing. Every guest, every topic, every journey from the darkness into the light has been and will be captured and preserved at recoverytalks.org. Miss an episode? No, you didn't. Every one of them is safely stored and kept in one place, designed to be listened to whenever life allows it. Recovery Talks, the podcast, at recoverytalks.org. Okay, and now we're back with Danica Adams, who
0: is a peer recovery coach. Danica, I was just wondering, you know, for the people out there who don't really know what a peer recover, certified peer recovery a supporter is, you know, what is it you do? What, what is your job like? Tell us a little bit about what maybe what a day would look like for you.
2: Sure. So um, I am lucky to work at Ohio Guidestone, um, which is an outpatient um, community-based program. That means that I am in the community doing my work, um, rarely ever in an office setting. Um, and so I get to meet my peers where, where they're at. I get to meet them in their homes, in the community. I get to transport them and take them places wherever they may need to um, go, whether it's some type form of a meeting, a court hearing, grocery store um, in the community to do activities and the, of that nature. Um, usually informal one-on-one meetings is what I do. I do recovery planning. And and goal setting with them, um, I use person centered planning and str- a strength based approach to to really support the people that I work with. I work with uh, families usually that are affected by the child welfare system, um, and so really supporting them on a reunification with their family um, and reclaiming their their truth and their lives and their identity.
0: That's just so fantastic. So you must be able to to go to work and and see some pretty difficult things during the day. And, uh, I have a lot of questions about that, but I mean, what are some of the challenges that you face in your job? I mean, what, what are the things that, you know, if we, if we could sum up for our listeners, what peer recovery supporters face every day, what are some of the biggest challenges for you?
2: I don't really see much of it as challenging. I think maybe the challenging pieces that I experience are that compassion fatigue, the burnout. Um, when you, maybe I've been working with somebody for so long and it maybe feels like I'm not getting anywhere with them, um, or I think the biggest challenge that I face is when um, an individual disengages from services, um, and I cannot get in contact with them. Uh, more challenges that I face, I think, is more with uh, in the in the clinical setting. Uh, maybe uh, when I'm advocating for a peer and not really getting what we want right now, um, and and facing those types of challenges.
0: What are some of the examples of things when you have to advocate for somebody and you you face? Uh, Obstacles or orange barrels?
2: Um, My advocacy is usually based around parents getting more parenting time with with their families or with their children and um, maybe not getting court involved or advocating for financial support or uh, some stuff stuff of that nature, if that makes sense.
0: So what what type of person would would be, I mean, if you were going to say to people who maybe don't know anything about substance use disorder, people don't know anything about what we do, uh, and as peer supporters, what would you say to people who say, "You know, how do I know how to get a hold of people like this? How do I how do I reach people? My son needs a peer supporter, or I need a peer supporter. How do I find out about it?"
2: You can call your local Adam H Board if you have an Adam H Board. Um, most behavioral health agencies are have uh, peer supporters as they have um, uh, peer supporters employed. Also, maybe if you have a peer center in your uh, community. There are often um, peer drop-in centers, peer-led organizations that are happening. So you could research them, Google them, um, or like I said, call your Adam H board and see, and they would definitely be happy to connect you. Um, you may also call the Ohio Department of uh, Mental Health and Addiction Services, and they could tell you uh, maybe where peers are in your community.
0: I gotta tell you, one of the things I hear from people who work and employ peer supporters is that you know it's it's tough to find, it's tough to keep peer supporters. And I think you touched a little bit on on what that is. And you know, Danica, I don't do anything like what you do. I work as a volunteer in a couple different places, and I I I come home some days and I'm like, you know, don't talk to me. I just I encountered you know, either difficulties or people that really needed help or people's cases are just so, so tragic that it just breaks your heart. I can't imagine how you you do this every day. I mean, how do you get up every day and do this? How do you do this?
2: Well, that's a good question as well. I don't see it as a job. You know, um, it is a true purpose and a true passion for me because I, I do it because... I wish somebody was there for me when it was me, um, and that's what really drives me um, is to be be that safe person in somebody's life life that they know that they can trust and that supports them no matter what. Yeah, I'm just really thankful to be that in somebody else's life, even though it's challenging.
0: You get to be the evidence that recovery works. I think that's what really keeps a lot of the peer supporters going is when you get out there and you can you can self identify as a person in successful. Long term recovery. Like, look, you know, it wasn't easy. It's not easy, but it does happen. And you know what? Guess what? You're looking at one. You know, w-
2: you made it through. Here's my thing, Mark, is that there is so much help out there. There are people who care about people out there. There's a way there's hope recovery is real and there's but there's also so much stigma um out there as well that people maybe don't believe um, that there is help and resources or fear accepting that help or um, maybe just aren't ready and and, and don't know how. Uh, you know and I want people to know that there there is a way out and uh, I want to be that voice for the voiceless um because this addiction and mental illness is real. Um, And we've already lost so many people to it. um, And that. so I I go out there and and, uh, do my thing and help make that change in the world.
0: There's an article that I was reading right before this podcast that stated that in the United States, nearly 90% of people with substance use disorders and 35% of people with serious mental illness do not receive treatment. They just don't get it. If you had one wish or a wish to help people understand a little bit better. You know what it is, make us do what we want to do to help other people, what, what, what would it be? What would you tell people? What would be the one wish that you could make other people understand a little bit better and to be more compassionate to people in substance use disorder recovery?
2: I would want people to know that we are more than our diseases and that we are more than our diagnoses and that we do, we do get better. And we can have somewhat, you know, normal lives. Um, I think that's the one thing that I want people to know is that when they see somebody who's struggling in whatever form it is, they start to see that, and start to see the person as as their diagnosis or their their disease, and and that is not the case. People do get better, and there is hope for that, even if even if they seem hopeless. So even the 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 most hopeless can get better.
0: Yeah, that's so beautifully said. And that, that wasn't generic at all for me, not at all. So we're talking about Danica and how Danica Adams stays well. What are some of the go-to get you through things that you do to take care of yourself?
2: Well, I have so many. Um, for one, I thrive on structure um, and routine. Um, and so I stick to that every every day, every week. I have some things that I just do that make me better. I recently discovered this app. It is the um, Finch Self-Care app uh it it is my little self-care pet and he holds me accountable every day to do my self-care um techniques it's a little app that i recently found that really brings me great joy um i we are in a world of technology so i have tons of apps that just improve my life and so i have my um physical health apps my mental health apps uh i have being uh b-e-i-n-g that's one of my apps right now um different other types of audio apps, um, whatever topic that I'm looking forward to that I do on a regular basis. I do my prayer and meditation and really that time for me because I do so much and I am so busy. Uh, making sure I have time for me and I have time for my family. Um, I do work a 12-step program. So I go to uh, meetings and work with my sponsor regularly. Um, I go to the gym. I do yoga, um, little things like that. I have six fur babies um, that take care of me more than I take care of them. And so I love on them and spend time with them, whatever that looks like. And I just make sure I take care of myself. Um, Little things I do throughout the day is um, making sure I have that positive self-talk. I'm not wondering too much in my own mind, um, that I can find positive solutions and outcomes for the challenges that I face. Um, And I remind myself exactly who I am because that matters. Uh, Because every day that I live with a mental illness or a substance use disorder um, is another day that I'm constantly fighting. Um, And so I push myself even when I don't want to and even when it's hard. Um, And just remember that it's temporary. This will pass. um, And that it's not always going to be hard like this.
0: One of the things I sensed from you during the training was that you were a person who had overcome a great deal uh, and you didn't need to wear it on your sleeve. There was just a quiet confidence of the way you presented yourself um, that was very assured. And I I think that this is a common characteristic of people who are successful in long-term recovery from substance use disorder and mental health issues is it's kind of like we're wearing this military uniform, right? You know, the ones with the the stripes on on our left forearm, you know, those hash marks that show the years of service. I think all of us can look down at those and go, you know what? We earned them. We earned them. You know, I just want to say thank you for all our listeners out there for listening to Recovery Talks, the podcast. You know, you can find us at recoverytalks.org. And if you like what you hear, there's a lot more episodes there i being sure you like and share and, and do all the things that you can do to be able to share this. Thanks again, Danica, for spending some time with us and our listeners. And uh, today, I want you to know that just by sharing that story, I'm sure that someone out there is helped by that. So on behalf of them and me, I just want to say thank you.
2: Thank you so much as well.
0: To all our listeners, just remember, you know that um, you know no matter what's going on, rain or shine, you can always find us at recoverytalks.org. And until the next time we get to talk, uh, remember to stay connected, stay standing, and steady on.